everybody. It is great to be here one more time today. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I'm the CEO, President, and Founder of GSD Get You Done Venture Studios, a premier AI and quantum venture studio located in the heart of Silicon Valley. I'm a 17-time serial entrepreneur with several unicorns under the belt. I was on the original management team of Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion, and also Eva.ai and AA. It's your tech company that co-founded with Dr. David Yang. We believe that intellectual capacity is evenly spread around the world, but opportunities are not. With that, I have my incredible guest today. So Mikhail Tabor is a serial entrepreneur, is an investor. He's a partner at uh, Tabor Capital, the founding in, founder and managing partner at Tabor Capital. He's a board member of Earth.ai, iFarm, Windmill, Prisma. So a lot of us have heard of Prisma. And with that, I'd like to talk to him about his investments and some of the things that he's looking at to make this world a better place. So with that, hi, Mikhail. How are you doing today? Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Good, good. How are you? Good. Fantastic. So tell me a little bit about it. How did you get involved in venture capital? Oh, it was a rather long pause, but I could say that I'm a career investor. Actually, I've never done anything in my entire life other than investing. Uh, I was born in the very north of Russia, you know, Yakutia. They had those uh, lonely, cold nights and absolutely nothing to do there. So uh, I had this huge uh, wall in my room packed with books. And one of those books was uh, Theodore Dreiser's novels. Uh, so I read The uh, Financier. I was about six or seven years old, so I did not. Well, I mean, I now understand that I did not get pretty much anything out of it except for the concept of uh, securities and, you know, uh, shares, those little pieces of paper that can, you know, change the entire life of a person. And I got interested in that. And since then, I kind of started gradually digging towards that direction. So when I went to uh, do my GCSEs in the UK, I took economics and business studies and an A-levels and university. I kept on go doing the same thing all over again. Uh, and this is how I basically trained myself to become an investor. After that, I went to uh, investing. I worked for uh, large investment groups dealing with quite a lot of large investments. And then I moved on, kind of came down to venture capitals, you know, out of interest, to be honest. I'm driven by curiosity. And, you know, venture capital was something that uh, I never tried before. So I decided to give it a try. And, you know, this is the area that now keeps exciting me every single day so i don't think i'm getting tired of it i'm moreover i'm starting new fun so yeah no that's fantastic so how did you go how did it feel going from yakutia and then coming down to um and then you know going to the uk i mean what kind of transition was that like here you are in the you know middle of nowhere right and yeah. in this cold place how did you adapt how was it to adapt to that new environment uh, I don't know. I didn't quite notice uh, that big of a problem, probably because I was too young then, and it kind of felt natural. I just, you know, I was uh, practicing English since I was in the kindergarten, so uh, obviously I did, I did not speak, <laughs> speak any English when I came to the UK. I mean, I, I think I spoke. I thought so. Uh, but apparently I found out that I wasn't, but I was quick to pick it up. Uh, the best practices you know to go to pubs obviously so the 
but you know, never had any problems. Uh, I was, you know, surrounded by new people. I was excited to learn new stuff about, you know, stuff that was interesting to me, stuff that I wanted to learn for, you know, 10, 15 years. <laughs> and there I was. So ne and never so, had any And so, so Tavor had been Gagarin before, right? Yeah. Yes, this so is what's correct. What's the difference between Tavor and Gagarin? Uh, except for the name, yeah. not much difference. It's pretty much the same fund. It's got the same portfolio. It's still got me. Uh, it's still got me sitting on both of the companies. So it was merely a rebranding. Uh, at some point, I thought that uh, it wasn't vanity, right? It was something that I took from uh, restaurant owners, say in France or Italy. You know, you always go. You don't normally have you know, them having names, you go to Mario's or, you know, Chez Michel or something like that, where the chef basically, you know, puts his name on the sign outside the door. So everyone knows it's him. It's his responsibility. He's the one that feeds people. So uh, I thought I'd use pretty much the same concept. And, you know, I, I am, you know, someone that doesn't hide behind a brand. It's my fund. And here I am with my and name. So how it. big is the fund? Mikhail, what, how big is your fund? It's it's a small one. It's uh, just about fifteen million dollars of uh, initial assets. It's grown since then. It's going about uh, two three times, something like that. But it's you know uh, it's still good. Uh, it's got about twenty companies. It used to have twenty companies in the portfolio. It had some exits, so uh, they are quite diverse. If you look at them at the first time, uh, you, you've got about twelve verticals. You've got you know, uh, sports tech, uh, health tech. Mining, I mean, as in metals and mining, uh, you've got, you know, Prisma, you've got Earth AI, you've got iFarm, which is AgTech, but they're all united by the idea that they have uh, artificial intelligence in the sort of uh, middle of them, at the core of them. It's uh, something that they not just use as a side tool, it's something they base their uh, business on. And so what kind of, um, you know, so if you look at the exits, I know you did Prisma, right? Was that sold or is that still? Um, it's still in the portfolio. It's, it's still in portfolio. We're still enjoying it. It's, uh, in fact, it's the second company that we had in, in the fund. We were, we were the first investor and, you know, <laughs> still there. And then what's the biggest exit that you've had? Uh, I'd say the biggest so far was, uh, that's a good question. We had a few. Uh, the biggest in terms of publicity was probably Masquerade that was sold to Facebook back in 2016. That was huge. We even got uh, Mark Zuckerberg to wear that mask and it led to all the Instagram and Facebook filters. And I mean, the, uh, pretty... He put the uh, Iron Man mask on, right? Yep, yep, yep. It was a huge thing and I mean, I still... I, well, not now, but I used to have, you know, people in conferences coming over to me every single time and, you know, saying thank you for, you know, putting Belarus on uh, the maps of Facebook. So, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, that's amazing. Boy, time sure changed since then, huh? Mm, times are pretty much the same every single day since the beginning of Earth, I would say. It's the technologies that say that change, but, you know, the rest still stays the same. And so how do you find the companies? Uh, I normally, well, I mean, I've got a lot of inbound traffic and, you know, some people say that uh, a cold outreach does not work. It's not the case with me. Uh, I read every single 
email or message on LinkedIn or whatnot uh, that comes to me. So that's one source of the deals. I've got a network. I've got uh, a name, basically. So, you know, people know me and kind of recommend startups to me. Uh, plus, obviously, we uh, participate in accelerators such as Y Combinator. About, I don't know, I'd say about half of my portfolio is there. Uh, either I entered the companies after the accelerator on demo day or they went to YC after we invested in them. Had a couple of those there as well. Fun. And so, uh, what geography has the best startups right now? Where you sign? Where the most of the startups come from? Is there any one place? Not particularly. No, we are we are pretty much country agnostic. Uh, about forty percent come from Silicon Valley. We've got companies in France, Australia, Latvia. Uh, used to have one in Lithuania. So it's pretty diverse all over the world. Just like you said, you know, uh, it's spread <laughs> spread all over the place, and the opportunities, I would say, they are there as well, all over the place. You just need to look for them. What about uh, generative AI? Is are you hearing much about generative AI? Are you interested in generative AI? Or what's your uh, it, it will be kind of hard hard not to hear about generative AI, even if I wasn't interested in in this subject. Uh, it is certainly a hype issue. I'm not that particularly bullish on that obviously it's it's a big thing it's uh interesting but i think people put too much hope in it and it has its dangers as well because uh it you know to 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 a common person it looks like the uh epitome of what ai should be you know given the name artificial intelligence is finally it's something you can talk to is this uh do sex machina if you want and people put lots of confidence and trust in it. Plus, people are going to start, well, they are already using it as a scapegoat. But <laughs> it's a fun concept. Uh, some of my portfolio companies are looking to implement that. But everyone proceeds with caution, which is good. Interesting. And so um, what's the future look like? Are you going to build a bigger fund or are you going to keep the fund the same size? What's your idea in terms of growth of the fund? Uh, well, I mean, this fund is fully invested, so the time is now to raise a new one. I am raising a new one. It's going to be, <clears throat> well, uh, when we started the first fund back in 2016, I'm not very good at delegating, so I always knew that the uh, team is going to be compact. I always worked in compact teams. Um, so the, uh, the investment universe would have to be something niche, having a good investment potential, having good growth potential, but niche. And mm -hmm. we make a, made a huge mistake of thinking that AI is this thing. It is going to be niche. It was a big mistake. It was, <laughs> but obviously, as we all know, AI is not niche. It's pretty much pervasive. It's all over the place now. So I'm, you know, I was glad to make that mistake. Uh, my new focus is going to be another niche thing. It's going to be industrial AI. If you try Googling it, it's not that popular. Uh, I understand why, but I think it's got loads of potential and I hope it's going to be a niche one. I hope if, if I'm mistaken, I hope to be, you know, to make the same mistake as we AI in general. It's very underestimated. It's got loads of, uh, I would say it gives me a bit of an unfair advantage because on the one hand, you, you know, you've got startups that do things that are not really uh, popular you don't read about them every day they are boring 
um, they're difficult to understand by the regular VC funds. You know, the you know someone who does you know, metals and mining comes over and gets asked, you know, what, what's your LTV? What's your cost of customer acquisition? And you know, this is just, this is just a huge opportunity there, just by bridging this gap. And given my industrial experience, I've always liked that. I always was, you know, uh, hmm, how would I put it? I mean, I was very excited by, you know, huge factories, large mechanism. I mean, show me a great truck and I'll be, you know, walking around it for an hour. So I think we are a good match, the industry and myself. No, that's great. I mean, the, you know, the, you're, you're right about it. I mean, the problem is we have infobesity. There's too much data around us. And if you look at it, you know, the data, the amount of data on the planet Earth today is about 123 zettabytes. If you took DVDs or CDs and stacked them one on top of another, it would go 94 times between the Earth and the moon. Then the challenge is, Mikhail, and this is something that, you know, is a pet peeve on my side. Get your thoughts on it. But, you know, in your own personal cloud, you got about 300,000 items. Well, the entire web in 1996 was 257,000 websites. You, Mikhail, have more information in your personal cloud than the entire web. The problem in Mikhail's world is following the same trajectory as the web, but that would mean it's doubling every year. In five years, you're going to have 10 million items. How in the world, how many times the last two weeks has somebody said, I sent you a message, did you get it? Where'd you send it? Telegram, Signal, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, uh, et cetera, or one of your email addresses. When did you send it? I sent it three days ago. Let me check. I can't find it. Send it again. It Maybe it's in, I just had it happen to me with, the COO of one of the largest companies in the U.S. this morning, right? It's huh? just a problem. We need to solve this challenge. And these, you know, these technologies, you know, and I've been involved in AI for 26 years personally. And this generative AI with uh, David Yang in the last nine years with even Findo. And so if we look at it, the challenge that we had before is people didn't understand how to use it. Now the situation is we really don't have a choice because we've got so much data, we can't make sense of it anymore. We need, we need something that has compo uh, compassion and emotion and empathy to be able to help us. And, and this next generation of tools, as long as we manage them properly, right, <laughs> are going to help us uh, as long as they don't get away from us. Well, uh, that's... That's AI regulation sort of uh, crippling, but <laughs> that's a huge topic. Uh, but I mean, this is more, I, I would not say this is uh, the industrial AI I am uh, interested in. I'm more interested in to, you know, machinery, metals and mining and this kind of thing. Uh, yes, those places also have loads of data, data lakes and all that. And yes, this is very underutilized, but I don't think they're looking for compassion. They're looking for profits. And this is where, you know, I'm hoping to help them. And what ways do you help them? Well, take, uh, I don't know, let's look at the uh, current portfolio or the fund and take, say, Earth AI. Uh, it's a company that uses satellite data to find deposits of uh, minerals. It uses something like 10 times less drilling it doesn't hurt the environment it speeds up the process by the orders of magnitude like two or three so obviously the savings are there the success rates increase and everyone's happy you know the planet is cleaner the metals are found quicker and you know we all know how big a problem the rare earth metals nowadays are you know take lithium or germanium or any of that 
that's a quickest example. Uh, you know, you had this uh, experiment with one of the largest uh, steel factories uh, that used AI to, uh, you know how steel is made, right? You take iron, you put in uh, ferrocomposites uh, to make it harder. You need to a very precise measure of ferrocomposites to put it. So AI helped to, you know, to reduce the amount of composites put in the in the iron while keeping the steel exactly the same grade. These are savings right there. And you know, huge corporations, you you save them on a one, five percent on the margin, it results in billions of uh, dollars in capitalization. That's another example. There's loads of stuff there. So you think that you think that from an industrial standpoint, there's a lot of growth. What do you think of top three areas that we you know using generative AI, uh, unsupervised, semi-supervised, uh, AI, rules-based? Where do you think the highest, to take the top three areas, the top three opportunities, where would you say they are today? So if somebody's out there and says, I, I want to build a startup, what should they be focusing on today? Uh, in, well, obviously, in industrial, as we discussed, food tech and med tech. Because, I mean, you know, we always are going to be needing industry. We always are, unfortunately, going to be falling ill one way or, some, or another. And chances are we'll still be eating. Well, I mean, by 2050, we have to double the food supply to feed everybody and can't increase the number of cattle because 26% of the pollution is methane gas from cows. So we need to figure out how to be able to do more plant-based protein, right? This is like, yeah. and then then uh, increase crop yield from the farm to the uh, table and dramatically yeah. increase crop yield. And what does that mean? We got to figure out how to be able to make that soil stay better longer. We need things like vertical farming. We need to get down through and use computer vision and robotics to be able to help us. And and these challenges, and then you got the problem with population going from 8.1 billion to 13 billion by the end of the century. We got to have, you just, have you, a lot more people. You, you just went exactly through my uh, portfolio logic in the uh, agriculture sector. I've got vertical farmers and I've got robots that uh, harvest tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, we do too. We have uh, companies like MeteoTrack, right? So, I mean, it's that's the challenge. It's, it's not if it's going to happen, it's when. And if yeah. the world, I mean, the Indian Ocean's up six degrees Fahrenheit this year. I don't know if you know that from last year. So oh, I kind of noticed that. <laughs> yeah, there's been uh, dramatic increases. Um, and if we look at it, you know, the way it's increasing now, uh, this idea of not having enough food and then having to go further north, right, to northern countries. I remember working on a project many years ago with a guy who was a student of Albert Einstein at Princeton. And... Um, Many years ago, actually, he was 80 years old when I started to work with him. And uh, he was telling me we're doing long range weather forecasting models using um, nonlinear methods, right? T typical weather forecasting is using linear methods. We use nonlinear methods. So he was telling me what was going to happen, putting global warming in now. And he was telling me then, this is 1992. And I was like, yeah, right, this is going to happen. But let me tell you, that guy was spot on. Uh, it's unbelievable, actually. And so, you know, we have to we have to get down through. And as we're going down, in my opinion, farming, we got to look at, you know, what places are going to be underwater, right? Average sea level could be up five to nine feet around the world by the end of the century. So, What's wrong with the water? I mean, you can, you know, the seaweeds, they are edible. And, you know, people have been consuming them for you know, hundreds of years, for centuries. So it shouldn't be a problem. But, yeah, you should you should predict whether you should grow, you know, uh, corn or seaweed. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I mean, the thing is, and where where do you go, right? Uh, yeah. I remember him telling me that the Gulf Stream's slowing down and that uh, 
you know, when it, and the way you'll know it is when it starts to snow in the UK. I remember him telling me that then. I'm like, yeah, right. And it started to snow in the UK. If you look over the last few years, it's kind of increased the amount of snow. He said, because it means it's slowing down because it warms the UK. It's going to be interesting. But he well, said, I remember I'm, snow back in the UK, you know, back in 1994, it was snowing. So I wouldn't say it sort of happened, you know, in the recent years. It's no, no, but been the frequency, frequency of the snow going on. That is probably good because I mean, remember those uh, one or two days in the winter when there was snowing and the whole you know transport system just collapsed. I mean, so if you start getting that more often, chances are they're going to get used to it, and you know it's probably a little bit better. Yeah, well, let's hope so, right? So, what do you yeah. think? What's your prediction for you know if we look at over the next uh, let's say two years, right? What's your prediction in terms of the market? Where are the best opportunities going to be? So we know where we are now. What's going to happen over the next two years? What would you say is an area that's going to be really keenly interesting for you? Top three. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that the uh, bear market is over yet. So chances are we're going to see some new bottoms. I'm not entirely sure if there's going to be a soft landing on a hard one. I mean, that's uh, depends, depends on way too many factors. But chances are we're going to go lower. A little bit and that's probably good for investments i think that you know funds that vintages 2023 2024 are going to be demonstrating good results companies forms uh, in these periods are going to be demonstrating good results so pretty much anything that you know that is good <laughs> has a lot of potential and that's uh i think what is good, Mikhail, what does good mean good good in the sense of you know i mean in the last you know five seven years people started building i wouldn't call them businesses i wouldn't call them uh, proper companies there were machines built to raise the next round which i would say is an aberration it's not something that should happen and this is you know kind of gradually that gets washed out of the market so you know companies that think about you know bottom lines about efficiency about being able to survive on their own without external funding. These are the companies that I consider good. Yeah, well, that I mean, we should have been doing this all the time. But what happens is we develop irrational exuberance and then everybody starts plowing money into these companies and they start going through the roof. But I'm also, I got to tell you right now, I'm seeing another wave happening right now. I'm, the, I'm in Silicon Valley right now. And I'm seeing, and I was in Austin yesterday at the Reuters uh, AI conference, Momentum. What I'm seeing is quite interesting. This uh, focus on generative AI is actually starting to pull the market in some of the, and a lot of the things that I do, pull the market back up again. I'm seeing a lot, actually. And um, I remember back in 1997, 98, when I started uh, one of the first e-commerce consulting companies, when they said Amazon was just for books, it feels like that again. It feels like you can feel something happening again. You can feel the rumbling, you know what I mean? It, and I'm, and so uh, this is a little different because you're right. It's so pervasive. It's a horizontal, not a vertical. I mean, AI applies everywhere, right? So, yeah, yeah. and yeah, you said you're in med tech. I mean, think about it. Everybody wants to live longer and, you know, using the technologies that we have to be able to do things like drug discovery and to be able to help us come up with, uh, drugs and then uh, hyper personalized. Um, one of my companies, he's a neurosurgeon from Yale University, and um, he developed a company called MedMatch Network. So, how to make the um, 
the uh, patient doctor relationship more um, streamlined, right? All the challenges that happen there. It's fascinating, actually. So we're coming up to the top of the show. Mikhail, what are your closing thoughts and how do people get a hold of you? So there's startups out there or other investors interested in investing in your fund. What's the best way? Well, you can easily find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. You can always uh, drop me a line, you know, send me an email. Uh, if you don't mind, that's mt at taver, T-A-V-E-R dot capital. And like I said at the beginning of our show, I always read your emails. It doesn't necessarily mean I always reply to them because, I mean, you know, just saying no is not how I roll. I, you know, I, if I say something, I would prefer to, you know, uh, put a paragraph of text there so the person knows why exactly am I saying what I said. So I prefer to not answer, but I'll read every single thing that, you know, uh, comes to my mail or messengers. No, that's great. Well, Mikhail, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. And thanks, thanks for having me, Gary. We appreciate it. And thanks to all my audience for joining one more time. GSD presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I'm your host. I will be back again next week with another exciting edition. Stay happy, stay safe, and stay healthy. And I'll be back at you again. Thanks again, Mikhail. Thanks, Gary.